In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. In the 13th chapter of Acts of the Apostles, Paul and Barnabas are set apart in the church at Antioch for a special assignment. They receive a laying on of hands and are sent off to preach the gospel in what's called Paul's first missionary journey. Our first reading at Mass this weekend is a section of that missionary journey when the pair enter a synagogue in Antioch in Pisidia. They're invited by the officials that, if one of them has a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And as it just so happened, Paul did have a word of exhortation. Once he finishes, his words have such an effect that, as we're told in the reading, on the following Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Yet we're told in the very next sentence that when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. We're pressing pause on the story right there, though, because the word in Greek that's translated as jealousy is zelos. It can mean jealous, as in, I'm jealous of his big bowl of chocolate ice cream, but it can also mean zealous, as in, I'm zealous in my belief that chocolate ice cream is the best flavor. While our translation at Mass elects for understanding this word as jealous, I would contend that a more appropriate understanding would be zealous. How so? Picture it. Two Jews, Paul and Barnabas, have arrived at a synagogue and explain how Gentiles can enter into a relationship with the Lord God, and not by submitting to all of the rules and regulations of Judaism, but rather by believing in his son, Jesus. And it's met with wild acclaim from the crowd. This was totally not okay for the Jews in Antioch and Pisidia because it directly contradicted what they were teaching. And so what did they do? Well, the passage tells us, word for word, with violent abuse, they contradicted what Paul said. If they were jealous of Paul and Barnabas, why directly contradict what they're teaching? It must be, rather, that they entirely disagreed with the teaching and zealously attempted to refute it. So many people regard the book of Revelation as a book of doom and gloom, right? Yet, our second reading at Mass is a passage full of tremendous hope and consolation. It certainly would have been so for the Christians suffering under persecution who heard these stories of John's vision. This vision, John sees a multitude which no one can count from every nation, race, and tongue. They've survived the time of great distress. And as the description of them continues, two passages from the book of Isaiah are alluded to. When John mentions that they will not hunger or thirst anymore, nor will the sun or any heat strike them, this is lifted almost verbatim from chapter 49 of Isaiah, as the exiles were anticipating a return for Babylon. Then we're also told that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This, too, is taken from Isaiah. In chapter 25, Isaiah describes the mountain of the Lord of hosts and says in verse 8 that, On this mountain, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. Now, miss the clever paradox that John adds towards the end of the passage, since John is, of course, so known for his irony and paradox. He mentions that the lamb, who is in the center of the throne, will shepherd them. How can a lamb, at the same time, be the shepherd, leading people to springs of life-giving water? Well, it's the paradox of Jesus, right? The lamb who was slain, who is also the good shepherd. And speaking of the good shepherd, our gospel passage is taken from the 10th chapter of John, in which Jesus famously describes himself as the good shepherd. Our gospel is quite short, so don't worry, you won't have to stand that long at Mass this Sunday for it to be read. 
But the Greek text of verse 29 is incredibly confusing. Our translation at Mass says, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. Jesus is talking about how his sheep have been given to him by his Father. But there's another way we could read this sentence. It's as follows. My Father, what he has given to me is greater than all. You see, the ultimate question is this. What does the greater than all describe? Does it describe the Father, or does it describe the thing which the Father gave to Jesus? All of this can sound like confusing semantics, to be certain, but it's an important point nonetheless. Jesus could be emphasizing how his Father is all-powerful and greater than all, but that's not a theme that's really present anywhere else in John's Gospel. Instead, since Jesus is already talking about his flock in this context, it's possible, and I would say a bit more likely, that he's talking about how the flock given to him is greater than all. In this way, Jesus is saying that of all the gifts the Father gave to him, the flock is greater than all other gifts. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this fourth Sunday of Easter in year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.